Audie ISD is moving in a new way forward, and we want to keep you in the loop. So during each episode of our podcast, we'll bring in new people, people like teachers, students, staff, even district leaders, to talk about all the things happening in Audie ISD. Thanks for tuning in to episode three of All the Things, the Alden ISD podcast. My name is Shalia Reed, and I am the chief of staff. I'm so glad you're tuning into this episode because we're talking about something that seems to be a huge deal in Alden ISD. I'm not sure how it became a huge deal, but it is. And I'm telling you, if you work in the admin building, you know why it's a huge deal. There's food trucks, there's dancing, there's singing, there's book studies, there's all kinds of things. We are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. And, you know, I do know how it became a huge deal. We really made an effort to double down and really celebrate the cultures, the history, the voices of the, the people, the students, and the staff that work in the district. And so we kind of make Hispanic Heritage Month a big deal. We make Women's History Month a big deal. We make Black History Month a big deal. We make, you know, anytime we can celebrate, that's what we're doing. So this month, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. I do not have on my Harachis. Is that what they're called? Yeah, Harachis. Those are my sandals. Um, Erica <laughs> in our office makes sure um, that she gets me set up um, and knows that I like leather and colorful things. And then there's also Dr. Escalante who bought me some fancy tennis shoes from her trip to Mexico. Okay, I'm, I'm getting a little beside myself. So anyway, I want to make sure you know that this month we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. And doing so, we made an effort this season to really focus on people. So rather than talk to you about Hispanic Heritage Month and go back through the like history of why it was created, no. We're, we're going to bring you someone who considers themselves Hispanic and talk about their heritage and go deep into their story. And so this month, I'm excited uh, to bring you someone who has lived a lot of life. He has some amazing stories. In fact, before we started rolling, he said, oh, I have a story I forgot to tell y'all. Um, so he's itching um, to get at the microphones, but I need to do some things uh, before he gets here. So I want to tell you that you will leave this episode learning some new things, some new insights, some more knowledge about the people in Aldean and all the great things we're doing. Of course, we could not have an episode without my top three. I think people are still talking about the Beyonce album, okay? I'm looking at you, Herman. Y'all, I'll tell you more about Herman later. But his eyebrows went up and he's like, no, no Beyonce. Well, for me, I'm talking about Beyonce in, in all of my social uh, media sites, my group me's, my chats. Because, well, one, I used to be a card-carrying member of the Beehive. And um, I was excited about all her albums, her music, her visuals. But, like, over time, I've kind of, like, dwindled down and, like, not really been tuned in. But I'm really enjoying her la- her next, um, her album, her project. I think it's what we're calling it, her project, Renaissance. Um, this is part one. Apparently, there's three um, parts to it. And this one brings some little house music feel. Um, are you a Drake fan? I'm no. looking at you. He's not even a Drake fan. Okay, so I'm a Drake fan, too. We're still talking about heritage here and like culture. And I, one year I went to Toronto for OVO Fest and I realized like really Toronto is just a mixing pot of all these cultures. And um, if you listen to the music that Drake puts out and now that Beyonce has created, it's clearly a, 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 a pool or a gumbo pot of music. And so 
While maybe a distraction from my conversation about Hispanic Heritage Month, I will venture to say that, like, you can always tie Beyonce back to anything. So Beyonce and her her way of reaching back and giving honor to those who have come before her, there's some music, like, that you would know. Like, when you listen to it, you can, like, oh, that sounds very familiar. I think that um, she's, like, tapped into that. Many people are waiting for her to come out with ticket sales. I can't imagine how much they cost. Um, I'm a... One, a wife and a mom now of two and my money is tied to someplace else so I'm not going to go see Beyonce <laughs> so that's my number one alright so um, this year I've adopted the motto this year being back to school right like there's two point two times in my life or two times in the year that I'm really excited one is like at the beginning of the actual calendar year my favorite day for you Herman is December 31st but like right around 11 o'clock because you're like thinking about the past and like letting it go but also you're anticipating the future right and so that's one of my favorite times and then back to school time other than all the school supplies and the stationery um, shout out to those who are addicted to pens pencils markers post-it notes and journals um, other than that, it's just a time of, again, reflection. Like you get to start over, you're starting something new. Um, and so for me, as we approached like August and back to school, half of the year is kind of over a little bit. I started thinking about like, I'm going to get out, get off of team, do too much. And so when I say that, I say that jokingly, but like, I'm the person whose calendar is filled from beginning to end. I'm multitasking at all times. You know, I'm saying yes to things. I'm, you know, mentoring here. I'm committing here. I'm volunteering here. You know, my 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 plate is overflowing. And so I decided, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. So I have exited or quit team to do too much, which is a big deal because people are looking to me to be like, you're not going to say anything? Nope. You're not going to volunteer? Not at all. <laughs> so I think people think something's wrong with me or like I'm mad at them. No, I just made a decision that like I have to chill. Like I need to allow other people to do things. The way this showed up is that I was talking to a friend and we were talking about another friend. So it was like a group of us talking about um, something that happened in one of our friends' life. Actually, it was a baby shower. And she was like, I'm planning the baby shower. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she was like, well, I want to make sure you were included because she cares about you, but also like you bring expertise. And I was like, okay, well, everybody knows this, I think, that like when you're on a group chat, like there's a group chat and there's like sidebar conversations, right? Just like if you're emailing, there's like the email and there's like the other email. Or in the meeting, there's like the meeting before the meeting and then like the meeting after the meeting, like the meeting in the parking lot. So like she's in a group text about here's the baby shower plans and then you know there's chatter happening and she looked at me she texted me on the side and was like hey I don't know how to delegate it's it's on my to-do list for 2022 and I was like oh I know how to delegate and she was like oh you should and I was like nope because on my to-do list for 2022 is not to do too much so needless to say this baby shower is going to happen um and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be smiling and have done little to nothing. <laughs> but my presence will be enough. So I've exited team do too much. The very last one is Friday Night Lights. I love football season. I know we're talking about Friday because it's it's high school football and uh, go all, all of the Aldean ISD teams 
but I'm a college football fan. So my teams, for you to know, are Louisiana State University, Prairie View a University, and TCU. Do you see something similar in any of them? I'll wait. Something similar? Yeah. What's the connection between the two? Or three? Louisiana, the tiger, the logo, or no? No, it's no, the, the purple. The TCU is a frog, right? TCU is a purple. frog. The purple. Purple means majestic and royalty. So you pick any any team that's purple? No, I don't. <laughs> really, I mean, I went to Prairie View. I went to Texas uh, Christian TCU. I just love LSU and, like, the flavor that it feels. That I mean, there's, like, some ambiance about it. The thing I like about football the most is not what's happening on the field. It's really what's happening in the stands and in the tailgate. People are crazy. <laughs> like facial painting. Kids like having babies that are like six weeks old at the football game because you can't miss it. That kind of pageantry and camaraderie and like I don't know you need to I want to bottle it up and save it. There are some high school football games that are just that way. I mean, if you live in small town Texas or, you know, I lived in Friendswood and we had a big rivalry between um, the other schools, like the whole town shuts down and like everybody's at the game. That's where you see everyone. That is a feeling of like love and like hope. I don't know. It's just a crazy thing. So Friday Night Lights are something that I look forward to. Our teams are going to be there um, playing. They're going to give their all. Uh, shout out to MacArthur and um, A.J. Stevens. Do you know who that is? That name should sound familiar. Uh, Alfred Stevenson. Alfred Stevenson, yeah. and Well, and Mr. Stevenson. Uh, shout out to him. Um, he's playing for MacArthur. He's already committed to going to Rice. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does on the field. I'm sure there are a ton of other students, student athletes across our district that, I'm looking for, that I need to be looking forward to seeing. And once I learn about them, I'll shout them out and be there cheering them on. So Friday Night Lights. Did you know? Uh-oh. So it's not a story, but did you know Tramel's son? I did. Plays for the Army. Oh, I didn't know he, he played for the Army. He played for West Point. I didn't know Tramel's son played for the Army. I, in fact, his youngest son, who just graduated last year, went to Davis High School, shout out to them, was a guest on the podcast. So okay. Mr. Prudhomme just got a whole shout out on mm-hmm. this podcast because his son plays for the Army. Um, that's great. That is a great segue. Let me go ahead and read your bio so people know who that voice is uh, on the other side of the mic. Today's guest is former staff sergeant and current executive director of transportation, Mr. Herman Inamorado. I can't wait till you say it because I know I'm not saying it correctly. Herman was born into an Honduran family and spent the first several years of his life there. After living in New York and Connecticut, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and served tours in the Middle East, achieving the rank of staff sergeant and later senior operations manager at Fort Hood. In this role, he provided financial and administrative support for six companies that were located in Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, and the U.S., all while staying ready to be deployed at a moment's notice. After the Army, he put his GI Bill to use and completed his bachelor's and master's degrees for business administration and finance in two years. You did all of that in two years? Um, Started in 2013. By December 2016, I was done. Wow. So like three years or two and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, he did all of that and he graduated from where? Uh, t- Texas A&M, Central Texas. So you're an Aggie. 
an extension of an app. Uh, <laughs> okay. For the past year and a half, he has served as the executive director of transportation Audine. He has streamlined the transportation system significantly by integrating technology and prioritizing his people first and foremost. If you need help getting home safely, if you're a student, or you happen to be in Iraq, um, Mr. Herman is your guy. He can make it happen and has made it happen. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your work in Aldine. And welcome to the show. All right. So many people have already kind of heard your story a little bit. Well, some of the administrators heard your story at the administrative conference. And I'll, I'll be honest and tell you, you didn't give it all you had. Because in my office, y'all, when he told me the story, he had me laughing. Uh, I teared up a little bit. I was telling him, no, I don't believe you. And then he got on the stage and gave a watered down version of this beautiful story. So here's your chance to redeem yourself, Herman. And, and share some of those stories in a new way. I really appreciate you being a leader um, who's really, I mean, upfront, straight to the point. I, I appreciate you for being that kind of leader. I mean, it's what we need. And then at the same time, as your bio said, you know, you've prioritized people. And when you, um, if we know Dr. Goffney's message this year has been about connection. Well, I think you have to connect every day to do your job well. So I'll give you some time to tell your stories and redeem yourself. I'm going to ask some questions, though. I have a lot, so bear with me. First, talk to me about being from Honduras and, like, what does that mean? And now that you're in Houston, you know, people call us the most diverse city. Um, but then I'm assuming a lot of people make the mistake that you're from another place, maybe Mexico. or I mean, you could be from the Middle East, too. You I, I kind of get that. Okay, what else do you get? I get those two, either a uh, Mexican or um, a Muslim, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, and what, why do you think people say that? The beard. Ah, uh, y'all, y'all can't see him, but he has this really full beard, and I mean, it's 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 well groomed and nicely shaved. But he definitely looks like Herman to me. <laughs> um, so tell us about your uh, background and coming up um, in Honduras. So, my parents migrated to um, California. Um, while my mom was pregnant, um, after I was born, you know, maybe like two, three months after, uh, we decided to go back. Not we. My dad, <laughs> did, my, we, my dad made the executive decision. As a two-month-old, you were not deciding. I was not deciding anything. My dad made, made the executive decision to move back to Honduras and took me with him. Left, left my mom with my sister here. Uh -huh. So my mom ended up following, you know, eventually uh, back uh, to, to be back with her family. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how I ended up back in Honduras, I guess. But at this time, I was the only uh, American citizen because I was born in California. Oh, I see. Okay. Right, so so the, your family was in Honduras, born and raised, like your whole family. Mm -hmm. And you're, they migrated to California. What part of California? Los Angeles. Oh, so LA, like mm -hmm. like a, the hugest place in the world. So they lived there and your dad said, oh, this probably isn't working out and goes back to Honduras. Goes back. And takes his two to three month old baby, like junior, come with me. Mm-hmm. And his, your mom just was like, bye. Just about. <laughs> okay. I, as a mom of a six-month-old, I can't imagine my husband taking my baby. I'd be like, I don't care if he's your namesake. Y'all look like twins. I'm not letting my baby go. So I understand why she followed very quickly behind. Yeah. I'm sure there were some arguments in between. Uh -huh. But, you know, she followed, uh, she followed like pretty much a couple months after that. Mm -hmm. Um so that's where I grew up. So that's where I learned how to, you know, speak, write, um, everything in Spanish. Okay. Um, but, you know, so 
when you compare Honduras to you know the United States, the United States, I mean, we talk about you know hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, or more advanced mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to Honduras. So you know, I I want to say I lost a lot of my childhood there, right, because of the things that you have to do over there, right. So I think one of the stories I share with you there is where at a very young age I was selling pillows with my dad. Wait, you didn't tell me this story. May have told Luke. <laughs> Okay, uh, so you were selling pillows, pillows in Honduras. In Honduras, as maybe if I four, five, five year old, right? Because you know my dad was a hustler, right? So one of the things that uh, kind of shared with the, with the team the other day is, you know, even in that I think meeting is, you know, my dad always you know told us as, you know, we do what we have to do with what we have, right? So that's kind of that was the mindset growing up, right? Um, so I used to sell pillows and stuff with my dad. At four or five year old, I would carry two, three pillows and we'd go door to door. Selling pillows, right? He was. Did people pillows. buy them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I would sell pillows with him. Then I had my had my own little side hustle. I would move concrete blocks for I, I want to say maybe fifty cents each. So I would move from like outside to inside the house. As a as a, as a kid, looking back at it now, it's it's hilarious, right? But I was always trying to make some some type of money, right? Just because it was just me and my dad, kind of you know, quote unquote, working. So. Were you doing this because you saw your dad doing it or or do you think you were doing this like in a way because you were trying to provide for your family? It was to, it was to help because I saw my dad, how hard he worked, you know, but it, so I would kind of help him mm-hmm. trying to provide some type of relief. Mm-hmm. Well, looking at it back now is, well, he didn't have to carry as much pillows, right? So so tell me about the fancy buses or the decked out buses. So, <laughs> so well, what happens is in Honduras, there's really no public transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of everything is contracted out, but contracted out to individuals. So these individuals, you know, people that live there and all that, they buy these yellow buses. Like uh, the, ones buses. We, the ones we auction off too. Correct. Very so similar. Th- that's okay. how, no, that's how they end up over there. Mm-hmm. So they get these yellow buses. Well, they don't want yellow buses. So they they they, they uh, deck them out. They'll put the, you know, the cross and Jesus, Jesus is coming and it's all blinged out. You, it wouldn't pass. Uh, DOT. Okay. <laughs> so uh-huh. um, when I was young, I remember going to the bus because that's how we moved. When, mm-hmm. when, when my dad went in the motorcycle. Um, y'all was, weren't was, on the motorcycle. You were on I the was, bus. When I wasn't working with him, I was with my mom and we had to kind of help her with groceries or, you know, mm-hmm. um, we'll go in the bus. So I remember uh, at a very young age, I was intrigued by these buses. Well, because they're very shiny. They're all this. But over there, when you get on the bus, you got to give them un lempira, un peso, or a dollar, let's say, to get on the bus. Over there, really, that wasn't, that, at that time, it wasn't much, but it's how kind of they, they, um, they were getting paid. So I remember sitting in the back of the, uh, of the driver, kind of in the back, in, the, in that seat behind the driver, and I'm just looking fascinated because he has this wad of money, mm-hmm. just, just big stack of money. But it's it just un pesos, right? It's still a lot of money. To me, it's like, it looks... Uh, insane amount of money right because remember i haven't seen this much money in, in my life uh-huh, right because uh-huh. it's not like my mom's carrying kind of that wild money mm-hmm. so uh, i would tell my mom when i grow up i'm gonna be a bus driver and <laughs> look at life yeah and uh and she'll be like why do you want to be a bus driver look at all that money he has this is the business you want to be in right because <laughs> you know at that young age you kind of you're paying attention to yeah. all this. so you know i i always want was one to believe that you know you do what you always were meant to do, right? Mm. So to my mom, when I when I moved to transportation, uh, and I told her what I did, to her, it, she just started laughing, and we were we were talking about all these things, right? Because people wouldn't believe you, mm-hmm. like, that, and this is what I told you earlier. If I told you the story, you you would think it's fake, but 
I I called that when I was little. That yeah. I was going to be working with buses. Do you drive buses sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all have our CDL. Right? Because in the event, we're going to do what we have to do to take these kids. This is a great story. Thank you for sharing. So, um, again, you know, this month is Hispanic Heritage Month. And I think commercially, you know, I think people think that's you eat salsa or tacos or you commercially. Right. But like really these these months of observation are designed to like help you understand more about the culture, uh, the Hispanic culture. And as we've just discussed, like it's diverse. I mean, like you said, in Honduras is a hundred or thousands of years behind America. Like where what about the other countries around Honduras? Like, what else, um, how would you compare, I guess? They're in the same boat, right? So mm-hmm. when you look at Central America, you have, you know, Guatemala, El Salvador, they're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. It, it are countries that never developed, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't develop because of the corruption, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. an, it's uh, now that you have, is the age of social media, you're starting to see a lot, right? So if you, look, if you pay attention to what's happening in El Salvador, right, the president there is clearing house. Mm-hmm. I mean, there he's just putting all the gang members, the MS-13, mm-hmm. uh, in jail. I mean, he I think he's roughly about 20,000 members in the last year alone. Because he wants to make his country better. Correct. So he's going in there, you know, according, right, that he's not tied to anything. He doesn't owe anybody anything. Mm-hmm. So he's just clearing out. Um, Honduras is not there yet, mm-hmm. right? So I, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. I took my family there, I took my kids so they could go see my mom and my sister, they had just killed one of the ex-president's son, um, oh. two like two three weeks ago, like b- before you got there. No, oh, while I was there. Oh wow! And so, I mean, that's you know that's that's traumatic, right? Mm-hmm. To live in a country like that. And I know you know you're think you're smiling, not smiling about it, but you're you're able to say the yeah. say it with a straight face. Um, but that comes with you know trepidation. That comes with like trauma and hurt and pain. What I wonder, though, is out of that trauma, hurt, and pain, it sounds like, you know, I can't imagine selling pillows, but I can imagine the stories that come out of you walking with your dad as he went house to house and how y'all were able to build relationship and you were able to see other things. Do you remember anything about, you know, while y'all were hustling? We got to figure out what that word means in Spanish, how to say that in Spanish. But while y'all were hustling, right, like, do you remember stories about the things that y'all share together or the food or the smells. Over there, there's just a dish. It's called, um, I'm, try, I'm trying to translate it in English, but it's pretty much... Uh, you can say it in Spanish. Pollo con tajadas, uh-huh. right? So it's pretty much chicken with, um, it's green bananas and they're sliced and they're fried, mm-hmm. right? So but it's, it's a street food. So one thing I remember from my dad is every time we will go, you know, if I will go to help him, you know, sell whatever, and we went door to uh, door, door mm-hmm. um, he will. He has a motorcycle. So wait, 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 wait. I'm painting this picture. So you're in Honduras, correct? On a motorcycle, yes. Selling pillows. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll park the motorcycle, then go to door, then go to drive to another little neighborhood, uh-huh. door to door, okay, and so okay, on, okay. right? Well, after that, we'll stop. You know, stop at one of the street vendors and buy the food. So we'll buy the, you know, uh, el pollo con tajadas, right? You know, whatever dollar uh, lempiras it was, and then we'll put it in the back of the motorcycle. And then we'll just, we'll drive home, right? Well, the exhaust is right there. <laughs> so by the time we made it home, it was, you know, you're eating chicken, but with the exhaust, like this, but it tastes so good. So right? the exhaust gave it I a new ha- flavor. Look, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I never had chicken that the same way ever again, right? Because my, my dad passed away. That's kind of later on in the story. But uh-huh. that, I look forward to that every single day. 
that was like the best meal I ever had. Tell me again what it's called. Pollo con tajadas. And then with exhaust. With exhaust. I I can't get that here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you can get that a, a lot of places, but it sounds really good. And, and you really know, good. again, those are stories of community, right? Those yes. are stories of your culture. Um, I'm imagining that y'all weren't the only folks riding on motorcycles. No. So it, it's very common over there just because of the, you know, there's a lot of poverty over there. Mm-hmm. It's, there's just, you know, people don't have to, uh, mm-hmm. have to eat. Um, so even growing there, I remember maybe just a handful of times so you're getting new items right so getting new you know with a new pair of shoes if if anything i got new i got it from somebody else meaning my you know have family that came from the states who to visit me and then they brought me something mm-hmm. uh, other than that I, I remember being embarrassed because you know how when you donate stuff here and it goes to you know uh, to another country right mm-hmm. they call it el agachón right I, I, that's i remember it but it was, i was so embarrassed because there would just be big buckets, just think of big box of big buckets, and it'd just be close uh, thrown in there, mm-hmm. right? So my mom would just dive in these things and look for my size. Oh, they were sh- really big buckets. They were really like dumpsters, huge. dumpsters. Sort of, right? They were okay. huge. And then she would just kind of go in and just swim in these clothes, trying to find my size, my mm-hmm. my sister's size, make sure they're kind of good quality, you know, at least, you know, decent looking. And then that's how she would get our clothes. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, it's not... Uh, I was embarrassed just because that's the conditions we were in, mm-hmm. but, you know. But looking back, as we were doing what we could, you right? Know, so, which goes back to the phrase you told your team, correct? Which is, we do what we have to do with what we have. We do what we have to do with what we have. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the superintendents, like we do what we have to do now, so we can do what we, we want to do later. Correct. Yours is like take advantage of what you what have. you have now. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you mentioned you had family come visit you from the states and in your bio I, I mentioned that Honduras wasn't your only stop we know you're in we know you're in Houston now but I know Connecticut and um, New York New York were, were other stops in your journey tell me about that like tell me what it felt like which place do you consider home New York oh New York is considered home so it's a combination right so I consider home Honduras but where I became um more free, I guess you could say, right? Where I was able to kind of live a childhood mm-hmm. is is New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, in Honduras, there was a, there's a lot of violence over there. Uh, so the way I ended up in New York City, um, my aunt from my dad's side came one year um, to Honduras, and she asked my dad, "Do you want us to take him with us mm-hmm. so he could go to school over there?" You know, and at this point, I have had a lot of very childhood friends, you know, either gone to jail or they already had been killed, you know, due through the, ga- uh, the gang violence over there. Um, so they asked me, you know, I, I, I was in second grade. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to go. Um, I said yes. And next thing you know, that same summer, I left. So you got to New York. An aunt came and got you mm-hmm. or came to Honduras and, and asked your family, which you there are many Many, many of our students who have that same story, mm-hmm. um, whether it's coming from another country or coming from another part of the city or state or even country to say, hey, I have a better opportunity for your mm-hmm. for your child and I'm going to accept them as my own. So mm-hmm. your aunt, you know, came and you moved to New York with her. Yeah, I moved to uh, to Brooklyn. So I, I came to Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, Bro- Brooklyn, New York is very crowded. Mm-hmm. So we had three families in the in a two bedroom apartment. You know, we have two rooms, right? So 
her in the main room because it's her apartment. Uh-huh. It was all the cousins, I guess you could say, because it was, you know, one, two, three uh, with me in it in one of the other rooms. And then one of her other daughters had her husband and their new, new, uh, newborn in kind of like the living room area. So that's how I say that what are the three. Yeah, three again, groups. very much similar to mm-hmm. many of the, the stories that our families are living. And that's not my upbringing, but I will tell you, my mom had eight brothers and sisters, so there's nine of them. And when I go to my grandma's house, I'm like, I have no clue how this happened. You know, they have one bathroom. They now have an extension to the house, but like one bathroom, two bedrooms, and there's, you know, my mom has seven brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, how did this happen? But you do what you got to mm-hmm. do with what you have, yeah. right? I get it. So Okay, so tell me about New York. So, well, New York's crowded, I and mean, I still love it, right? Um, but the struggle was still the same, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had very little. Yeah. But at least there was no more violence, right? Uh, so, well, somebody would say that New York is very violent, but not the same level of violence, right? Um, correct, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I, there was a lot of things that happened that I saw in Honduras that I said, a kid shouldn't have never seen. Agre- uh, right? Understood. Um, so when it came to New York, yes, you know, there were violence, but it's not the same level of violence, Right, that I don't. You don't have to worry about you know getting stabbed, shot. You know, in Brooklyn versus you know you're in Honduras, you, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. So in New York, it could be a, it, it could be avoided. Correct. In Honduras, you're saying at some point it, it's bound to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, like my mom got you know robbed a few times. My sister has gotten kidnapped a few times. This is not okay. A hundred percent, I agree. I, I agree. Uh, but it becomes a norm. And it's a norm for a lot of the kids here, mm-hmm. right? And especially in the Aldine footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that kind of dr- um, dragged me to Aldine. But yeah, so, you know, I grew up, I grew up in New York, um, just a kid from Honduras. Um, we didn't have La Promesa back then, mm-hmm. right? It was just, hey, go in there. There was no ESL classes. Like, yeah, no figure, one taught you how to speak English. Figure this out. Uh, fortunately, I was able to kind of speak some in, um, in Honduras, uh, kind of like pick up. So mm-hmm. I wasn't too lost. Um, but I was still lost. So do you speak Spanish now? I do, but, you know. You were supposed to answer that in Spanish. Oh, you want me to answer in Spanish? <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Oh. Um, I do. I, I speak both. Uh-huh. You're hesitant to speak Spanish, though. In a public setting. Why? Because then all the um, all the errors come out. Yeah. You know, uh, it, just, it just happens. But if I'm, like, with other, like, um, Hondureños, it comes out naturally. Even the accent comes out. I just heard it. There you go. <laughs> I just heard it. You know, but, so it, but it's I mean, weird. But has it helped you in your job, though? He, yes. So, like, here in Aldine, there's a lot of Hondurans. There's a lot of people in Central America, right? Um, and this is actually one of the places, the Aldine footprint, is where I've been exposed to more Hondurans anywhere else. Because, for example, like, in, in Brooklyn, you have more Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, and Mexicans, mm-hmm. right? Houston... You have a lot of Central Americans, mm-hmm. right? If you go to Gessner, you know Southwest Houston. I I I call that area like little Central America. So can you find the chicken? Yes. So, but no you, exhaust. But no exhaust, though. You know. <laughs> so even even all around here, uh, mm-hmm. you have it. Um, all all the food trucks have it here. Uh huh. But they don't have the exhaust. But do you feel at home here? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know, and, and and I can relate because I I know the struggle. I know where. They're all coming from. Mm-hmm. I know, even though I mean they have may not have told me the, their story, I could already piece it together. Is there a um, so? I don't know if you've seen this commercial 
before, but there's like a, a commercial, um, I forget what brand, but it, there's like a head nod that like all black men do to each other. When they see each other, they just like nod their head or like. Sounds familiar, but I can't. Okay, but that's okay. There's like a thing, like their mm-hmm. commercial like exposes. So there's like this, it's a cultural norm that like you mm-hmm. see someone, you just nod your head or like. Um, so I wonder like in your culture, like Hondurans, how do you identify? Like, is there a head nod? Is there like a wink or is there like something you're looking for? You know, I don't know. I just wonder. Well, I, I look at what they eat. Ah, food so, tells the story. Yes, right. So in Honduras, for example, um, one of the most popular, outside to the one that I was at Pollo Con Tajadas, right, is baleadas, right? That's the most common, right? Because it's very, uh, very cheap to make. So mm-hmm. you can feed a lot. All mm-hmm. you need is flour, beans, and cheese, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's pretty much it. It's just it's a tortilla with a little bit of beans mm-hmm. um, folded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you see somebody eating that, you, uh, I could really assume, and if I was a betting man, they're from Honduras. And has it, is that? Has it worked? Mm-hmm. You've walked up to someone? Yes, because it, it, it's easy to carry, so it's easy to eat. It, you you kind of eat it while you're walking. Uh-huh. It's easy to eat. So if you're, you know, um, on a rush all the time, that's what you eat. As a matter of fact, I, I, I ate one uh, this morning. One of my drivers uh, brought me a balada. Oh, mm-hmm. where'd they get it from? Do you know? They made it. Oh, so you have drivers, too, that are hundreds. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm. I can spend all day talking about this, but I do want to talk about a little bit about your job. So you mentioned one of your drivers, and I talked about transportation. So tell me about the transportation team in Aldine. So the the team here in Aldine is very diverse, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a little bit of everything. How many drivers? Uh, right now, I have about three hundred and thirty drivers. Okay, that's um, significant. Correct, mm-hmm. um, but we are in a shortage as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm still short some drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do what we have to do what we have. Right? That's right. And, we, do, uh, we have to do what we and have. And the drivers we do have, they're very committed to Alding mm-hmm. uh, because most of those drivers are from Alding. Mm-hmm. Right. So they already know what the students need. Right. Versus some of the areas is they don't live in that area. Mm-hmm. So they're not as committed. Yeah. And they're not connected. Right. They're Correct. driving in as opposed to like, this is where I live. I know the streets. I know the kids. Mm-hmm. I know their stories. I might know their parents. Mm-hmm. So, so there's drivers that um, driven us like, you know, set of kids. The whole school career. Like from pre-K? From, from pre-K to, all the way to high school. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. And then you also have the families that that stay within Aldine, right? Yeah. So whether they were students, they you know now they work for Aldine, whether, you know, transportation, nutrition services, or just as a teacher, they stay here. Okay. And, okay, so how did you get to Aldine? So I, I know we got to come back to your New York story. So fast forward and tell me how you got to Aldine. So. Like the short version. Short version. So I, the way I got to Texas was the military, right? Okay. So you know, went to um, to the military, deployed a couple times, ended up in Texas. Um, one once after I was time for me to get out, I didn't want to leave Texas. I didn't want to go home. Most people don't. It's the greatest place on earth. It is. It's a great state. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go home, which is New York. Mm-hmm. It's too crowded, too expensive. I wanted to stay here, so I did. So I had two choices. I picked. I had Dallas or Houston. It came down to um, football stadiums and baseball stadiums. <laughs> did and it really? It did. And the Minute Maid is a way better stadium than uh, go Astros than, than the Rangers. Uh, so I, I stayed in Houston. I came to. I just moved to Houston. Uh-huh. Uh, I ended up getting a job with uh, Houston ISD mm-hmm. in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that. Um, the all the executive director role became um, open in 2021, um, and that's when I came here, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is the the group. When I looked at the demographics, like 
that that's me. I was one of those kids. Mm -hmm. So this is how I ended up here. Mm -hmm. So um, have you made any changes since you've been here? Uh, to transportation? Yeah. Yes, right. We 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 only been here. I only been here one full school year, mm -hmm. um, and we already you know went from streamlining the process between campuses and the way we get the, the requests from how the parents are communicated. Um, those um, uh, assignments, um, you know, like before, one of the examples I like to use is before we used to tell students, hey, just be be outside from five to six. Like just waiting. Wait for the bus. It's mm -hmm. going to show up there eventually. But no, now we get, now we actually give the parents a window. Like, hey, your time is, you know, 5.45 or 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So now you just be there five minutes before, five minutes after the bus is going to be there around that time. Mm -hmm. So now we're showing, you know, that window for the students and they know I have to be there. You know, so that's kind of one of the changes. Um, we have up upgraded our GPS um, on our buses. We're installing tablets to, you know, increase our ridership. Uh, to track our ridership, um, we're purchasing uh, purchasing some buses now, um, and then now for the future, I think we're looking into you know looking at um, alternative fuel, uh, student badging, mm -hmm. um, putting Wi-Fi on the buses, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So um, I know a little bit. People don't recognize like how intense student transportation services can be. So how many students do we trans transport? Over 32,000. So we have about 60,000 kids, 62,000 mm -hmm. kids. So more than half of them ride a school bus. Correct. That's significant. Mm -hmm. um, is that that like average or the norm in, in school districts? No. Most right. So just to give you an example, in Houston, there's over about 210,000 students, but only 32, well, only 30,000 are uh, using the bus. Oh, wow. So we're moving more kids they're one of the biggest school districts in, in Texas. Wow. And so are you stopping like in front of their house? I remember riding the school bus, okay? And that where we where we lived, I could like see the bus out my window. So when it like turned that corner, we lived. Okay, so it turned the corner, went down the road, and then made the corner again to like come up. So when it turned the corner, my mom would say, the bus is coming, right? And then we like ran outside. But it was right there near my house. I know from my previous roles that that's not always a luxury. Some bus stops are centrally located or like fur off. And then in my job, I'll be honest for anyone listening, the complaints or concerns come my way. And so I have seen where parents have been upset or families have been upset about where the stop is located. Um, where are our stops located? So it depends the grade level, right? So previously um, there were maybe five stops in the same block. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's inefficient because one, there's a driver shortage. The more stops you have, the more drivers you need, the more buses you need, the more bus bus routes you need to cover that same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So what we did we consolidated. I think when, I, when we did the count, we consolidated 112 routes. So 112 routes got deleted. Right. Um, and we're still short drivers. So you mm -hmm. couldn't imagine how it, these routes were even getting covered mm -hmm. if they weren't covered. Um so what we did, we created, we have a two-mile radius, right, that we could go pick up a student from. So from, I mean, their, from their from, school. From, from, so a student's eligible if they live outside of two miles. Mm -hmm. So if you could walk uh, two miles to get to school, you could walk two miles to, to a bus stop. Mm -hmm. However, 
no student walks two miles to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we did it by grade levels. In pre-K, it's pretty much door-to-door service. Um, elementary, it may be kind of a few houses down. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle, it may be around the block. Mm-hmm. And then you can do high school. Okay, maybe two, two three blocks or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it mm-hmm. was gradual where right. it became kind of uh, feasible. Uh, the older you are, the little bit more you can walk. Okay, And good. that's kind of helped us reduce the routes. And so um, how did school year go? So The kickoff of the school year. Back to school. It went, it went great, um, you know, because we did a lot of the work the previous school year where, you know, it, it was a little uh, rough, right, even for the campus because you had to change the mindsets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But all the, all the groundwork was done last school year mm-hmm. where this school year is, hey, we know what we have. Here's what we have to move. And now we're... We just we just went with it. Of you course, know, there was some traffic. You know, there was you know some um, last minute absences. Right. Um, but nothing that we couldn't handle. Right. Because you do what you have to do. Correct. Because we do what we have to do. <laughs> with what you have. Um, so we've covered. You were in the army. You served how many years? Uh, just about eight. About eight years in the army. You've been in. You you call Texas home. Mm-hmm. Although New York is also your home. You're Honduran. We learned you sold pillows. I guess we should probably talk about your family. I mean, they're part of your your whole big picture here. So tell us a little bit about your family. So my wife is from Honduras, too. Oh! Um, Did y'all meet in Honduras? No, we met here in Texas, here in Houston. Was she carrying around one of those tortillas with beans? No, she wasn't. (laughs) Okay. But she got good at making them now. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, uh, you know, something that even, so I have four kids, right? So I have two girls and two boys. Um, the two girls being the oldest, right? An 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and then I have my, my two boys. A 3-year-old, almost 4. He's about uh-huh. a 10 kibo. And then um, my, my, my newborn, he's 7 months. But that is, it, it'll, it, it's rare if we don't have that baleadas uh-huh. at least once every two weeks. Really? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's dinner. At some point, it's dinner. Is she, and so how do your kids feel about it? Oh, they love it. Because they, they love the food. Ah. Have they been to Honduras? Mm-hmm. They've been there Twice. Uh, the girls have been there about three times. Mm-hmm. My oldest son, he's been there twice, but he was little. Uh, and then my youngest son is just, you know, once. We just but we just went a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We were there for about, I think, uh, 17 days. Wow. And so they love the food. They're, they're fully Honduran, although mm-hmm. they live in America. Mm-hmm. Do they know that? Yes. Tell me, how do you talk about culture at your home? We show them where we came from, right? So we show them who's who, what we, um, kind of what we live. Uh, as a matter of fact, right? So right now that we went, we went to my mother-in-law's house, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, we wanted to show her the newborn and all that good stuff. And um, it was a shock to my oldest son because there was nothing in that house. Like you walk in, there was nothing. There was just half a, kind of like a half a couch. I don't even know how to explain it because it was kind of half a couch. Do they have carpet or do they have tile? It, it was tile. Remember, that it's, it's tile mm-hmm. or it's, it's cement. Oh, okay. Right, so, but it was, that was it. So, the way he entertained himself that day because we were there the whole day because uh, there was no TV, um, they gave him a bunch of uh, coins. So, he just started playing with the coins and that's how he entertained himself the whole day. But, he wasn't used to that, uh-huh. right? Because he he's used to, hey, I'm going to go with Netflix. I'm going to go Wi-Fi. I'm he gonna, has a tablet, I'm sure. He has a tablet, uh-huh. right? Uh, nope, that don't work. So he had to find a way to entertain himself. Or, and he did. And he did. And he wanted to go back. I'm like, I don't want to go back. There's nothing there to do. But he found a way. <laughs> but he found a way. I mean, I'm telling you, this story was amazing. This whole conversation was great because I think about, Again, we started out talking about your dad mm-hmm. doing what he had to do mm-hmm. with what he had. 
right? Just make it work. You sold some pillows. I will. I cannot undo this vigil in my mind, right? We've talked about your time in the army. We've talked about, you know, even your time here doing what you have to do. And then now you tell me about your son who's in this country, mm-hmm. a place he's never been, right? But he, he has embraced the concept of doing what you have to do with what you have mm-hmm. by just playing with some coins. You know, the first day that we got there, well, the same day we got there, the power went out in my mom's house, and which is normal. Like, I already, it's normal to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it went off at night. It went out. Talk about no powers. We turn on a few candles, and we're talking, but it's hot. Uh-huh. Well, this is the first time, like, my kids, they, there's no AC. You can't turn it back on. They're used to the AC. They're, they're used, used to the AC, and they're complaining because it's hot. Well, my youngest, uh, my, my, my oldest son, He's like, okay, I'll just take off my shirt. <laughs> and he just drenched, but he's he's fine. He just he's just dealing with it. It was it was just so funny because but that was the only day kind of happened there. And then we were kind of moving throughout, visiting different families. So we they didn't get to experience it again. But they were just waiting for the moment, you know, okay, I'm gonna take off my shirt again. So it, it was it was pretty funny. Herman, yeah. thank you for coming. This has been a great um, conversation. It's it's so important that we tell the stories of the people in Aldine, find ways to be connected. Um, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about all the things, but really it's about the people doing the work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And give I'm going to give a special shout out to all of those who work in transportation for just a brief moment. I spent a little time in operations and bus drivers. Anyone who works in transportation, my heart goes out to them. They do a lot of work. They mm-hmm. are the usually the first person that, mm-hmm. that students see. Yeah, and are. so their work is really important. So thank you for doing your work and leading that great group. And, you know, tell them we're thinking about them. Thank you. I will. Anything you want to leave the Alden community with? We're hiring. <laughs> That's right. Give a good plug to hiring. Say, look, we're hiring. So if you know somebody, let that bus driver know that you know somebody that wants to work. They will take that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because we were recruiting. Uh, always. Always regretting. Always. Even if you don't have an open position today, but you do have an open position But we do today. have. I'll, I'll, I'll put you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I want to make sure I do this season, are you reading any books and what are you reading? No, I'm not. I oh. haven't had a chance to even select a book. Okay. Well, we're gonna, next time I talk to you, you got to be reading a book. Okay. Well, thank you for being here. For, to all the listeners, thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. Please share the podcast with your friends. Herman, it's been a great episode.